This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello. Hello. Anyone around here speak basketball? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and who, sir, looking good in your Raptors cap, are you? <laughs> it's me, Matt, your producer. How you doing, oh. Fred? <laughs> Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's an appropriate response to the way I throw to you because, um, yeah, I certainly know who you are. But um, uh, you doing good? You enjoying the summer? Oh, I'm having a great time. I'm in the midst of allergy season, so you know I'm a little loopy right now with the reacting sure. and whatnot. But that's uh, that's the price you pay. For uh, that is the price you pay, and <laughs> I will absolutely. Yeah, for living, you know, being in pain. Uh, I will take Loopy Matt whenever I can get him. Fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, uh, if it's your first time in the podcast, we are, uh, yeah, we're Raptors slash NBA pod. We're with Raptors Republic. Um, lots of fun stuff to get to. We're going to we're gonna be draft focused today. So I brought on my, my favorite two draft people. I, I think we've done this for two years uh, in a row now. So, um, yeah, let's do it. Uh I, I've known this guy for a long time now. Uh, I met him at uh, George's Chicken, uh, Bathurst and Bloor, one of the best places in the city. Great food. Um, and he also uh, uh, writes for Trot Magazine uh, and is a broadcaster for Woodbine uh, Racetrack. And, you know, beyond the, the you know, horse stuff, he is absolute like, uh, you know, college fanatic and, and knows basketball uh, as much as anyone. Make some noise, even if you're at home alone, for John Rouse. Thank you. What's up, dude? It's great to be back. I mean, I'm a little disappointed in myself because last time I was on, I said, let's not make it another year in between yeah. podcast appearances. And here we are a year removed from it. Um, you know, sometimes just uh, you get busy with life and the timing doesn't work out. But uh, I have to make I always have to make time for for this podcast because I love coming on um, to chat ball and I love uh, coming on to be able to chat NBA draft. Right. So it's nice yeah, to man. be Ready. And yeah, you know, I think I said this last year too, but you're not exclusively a draft guy. Um, so my bad that I have you associated in this one specific way. People contain multitudes. Shame on me. Well, you did reach out a couple of times. Unfortunately, my schedule just didn't align. So, I mean, well, it's this is more on me than it is on you. Honestly, thanks for saying that. It is on you. Yeah, it um, is. Just kidding. Uh, let's, uh, let's bring on uh, guest number two, a uh, great friend of mine, uh, we obsessively talk basketball all the time. We agree on a bunch. We disagree on a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but uh, I think we enjoy each other's opinions. And, uh, you know, one of the funniest people in the entire city, one of the best comedy producers in the entire city, one of the best improvisers in the entire city. Make some noise, even if you're at home alone, for Matt McCready. Oh, yeah. Papa's back in town, baby. He's back from the grave. He's clawing up the dirt. And he's ready to talk the NBA draft with Freddie and John. That's thank you for the second intro. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should have led with I'm a corpse of Papa. (laughs) Yeah, I should have really slid in there with like, he's going to describe how he climbs out of a grave. So just follow (laughs) along. Uh, yeah, how you doing, man? How you doing, uh, I'm Josh? good. I, uh, I'm always happy to have you. I love that you have a, a Nick Nurse super fan. Um, 
right up in the bottom of your screen for our YouTube listeners. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't get enough of Nick Nurse. I think he's a crap coach, but a great musician. Love his music. Listen to it all the time. <laughs> the reason you can't get enough of his music <laughs> is the reason that it's up there. Um, very legit. Uh, friend of the pod. Uh, two friends of the pod, actually. Chris Myers and Catherine Niker saw him at Toronto Jazz Fest. And he was, he was busting out some Prince tunes. So the boys got skill. Um, okay, let's uh, let's jump into some draft talk and some Raptors stuff. Um, Maddie, good sir, give me your best. I assume it's Weird Al. We've been at Weird Al for almost a year now, I think. Give me your weirdest Weird Al Raptors sting. Hashtag We the North. That's right. Trust in Masai. There we go. Hashtag we the North trust in Maasai. Um, as relevant as the first time I <laughs> the uh, trust has been strained. The trust has been strained and the voice is strained. <laughs> um, I think Maasai for one is what's going on there. Um, okay, let's go to you for uh, let's go to you first, Matt. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to make sure to, to, to call you McCready since, since we got Matt Duncan. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, a lot's happened in Raptors land in, in a short period, but uh, I sort of want to focus on the draft specifically. The Raptors did just sign someone to an exhibit whatever 10-day contract thing, but that seems like it's more of a camp deal. So we'll, you know, I, I don't think we need to talk about that yet, but um, – I want you to uh, I want you to grade the Raptors pick at thirteen. Uh, we we took Grady Dick. Uh, we also took Marquise Noel, um, undrafted. Uh, we signed him, or we're about to sign him. Um, yeah, so just sort of grade that for me, and then tell me how you think these two figure or don't figure uh, into the Raptors rotation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the draft's always such kind of a crapshoot, you know, like if Grady Dick has a gigantic knee injury tomorrow, then like it's a terrible pick forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to give it an A. Why not give it an A? Sure. They did. Uh, they grabbed uh, a guy who I think a lot of people had a little bit higher on their boards. They had a guy that for sure has a skill that will translate at an elite level, which is something that you can't usually say about mm -hmm. a 13th pick. It's something that you can't 100 percent confidently say about Kobe Bufkin, another guy who is like going in that range. You could say he's mm -hmm. more well-rounded, well but he didn't do anything at an elite level. Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's a pretty nice pick. I, I think I said this to you maybe, Freddie, but like looking back at the Suns' drafting, they're always viewed as such draft geniuses, and they drafted uh, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, and uh, Cam Johnson. Um just the three best shooters who were available when their pick came around. And when they uh, drafted badly, you know, they passed up Halliburton for uh, Jason Smith and they uh, drafted uh, DeAndre Aiden in front of, uh, you know, uh, Luka Doncic and, and Bagley. They passed wow. on Bagley. Uh, so yeah, big, mistake. big, big bag of mistakes. Get the bag hutch out. We've got some mistakes to fill. <laughs> um, yeah. Very uh, niche Mr. Show reference for those who uh, uh, love that show. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they did pretty all right where they're going to fit. Uh, you know, Gray Dick's 19 years old. Mm -hmm. He's probably uh, not going to be very good in his first year. He'll probably be able to space the floor on the second unit. If they play him a lot, that means that they're going for some sort of development plan, but that will probably come at the cost of uh, a win here and there, mm -hmm. uh, which was definitely not the mantra uh, any of the last four three years. Um, and uh, they're, uh, I'm blanking on his name, the guard that they... Uh, Marquise Noel. Yeah, Noel. Um yeah, you know, he's going to be the shortest player in the NBA. And, uh, you know, he could just be a guy that they send down to the 905 to, like, make sure everyone gets their the ball where they need mm -hmm. to get it. Good culture guy, a winner. Um, do I expect him to be uh, make a difference this year? Uh, I would be very surprised. But he's also the type of player that if he does make a difference, it's going to be an amazing story because he's going to be such a weird, odd player. I'd have a little bit more faith with him if he was like an elite shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, he shot like 35% from three, which is like fine-ish. But if you're 23 and a half years old playing in the NCAA, you hope to be dominating and he averaged uh, his field goal percentage is below 40. Anywho, feel all right about it. Cool. 
Um, yeah, I would say I, uh, agree, uh, like a thousand percent there. Um, you know, yeah. No, like Noel, you know, I feel like you don't want to, you don't want to doubt someone, uh, who sort of like defied that doubt already, totally. but size is, is a pretty big deal, uh, in, in the league. And I think the, the difference between college and, or NCAA rather, and and the NBA is is gigantic, right? Like you know, even from a shooting perspective, you've seen you've seen guys like, you know, Jimmer or whomever kind of come in and just the 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 the, the other level, the next level of speed or strength or what have you, um, is is kind of like devastating. Or you know, Toronto's had Matt Thomas or what have you. Um, oh yeah, you know, a difference with a guy like Grady is uh, you know he is like whatever six 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 eight in shoes. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a, there's a big difference between that and, you know, being six, four, six, three, six, five. Oh, Matt uh, Thomas's release was super slow too. Like by like a gunner right. standard, you know, like Dick gets a shot off so quickly. He comes up, comes off of screens so well, like he's going to add an extra element to the offense that they haven't had since D- Danny green, maybe. Uh, what's yeah, like I think, a guy. I think Danny green's a really, really good comparison actually for, for on offense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he won't be Danny. He won't be any. I mean, he's projected to never be anywhere close to Danny Green on defense. No. Where, um, do you mind if I ask you a question, Freddie? Is that cool? Please, yeah. Where, where, what? I'll, I'll throw out some, and and John, you can hit up this too. But like, out of the elements of Grady Dick's defense, what are you most worried about? Like foot speed, um, or uh, just physical, like like strength? Like, what's more worrisome to you? I think I think for me it would definitely be the speed of the game because I think he just had sometimes he had difficulty staying in front of people. So I think speed of the game is definitely something that I'm more concerned about with of anything else. Mm. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think speed's a good answer. I was going to say strength just because, uh, and I got to stop doing this, but you know I I keep imagining like the average sort of draft guy going up against OG. Uh, and I think about him trying to guard OG in like any capacity and just like getting absolutely bullied and dominated. But OG is one of the stronger players in the league. You want to fe- he- feel even worse comparison? Imagine him trying to guard Jimmy Butler down the stretch of a game. Yeah. And, you know, I, and to your point, you know, that's where sort of like he, he comes in off the bench and, you know, hits some threes and spreads the offense and that sort of thing. And, you know, isn't exploited as much. But uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to suck up all the air here. Where Where are you at, John? As far as um, yeah, as far as the draft picks or the sorry, the draft pick and the, and the and the signing and and how they'll fit into the team. I've just learned to pretty much. I think we've touched on it even in past podcasts that we've done together. I think I've just learned to trust in the front office and just um, you know the scouting department, and everything because they they found some really nice gems and we were in a spot where. As the draft kept, you know, as the picks kept coming off the board, we were in a spot where we were assured to get a good shooter, right? I've obviously, you know, kind of different in, in terms of the mold of we didn't get like a, a project guy, right? Like we needed shooting and the Raptors were in a position where they were going to get a good shooter. And mm-hmm. for me, I was okay with Grady Dick. I was okay with even Jordan Hawkins, right? Jordan Hawkins was a guy who really, you know, elevated his play and he proved to be a quality shooter. But I really liked the fact that Grady Dick wasn't, he didn't have that, uh, that onus on him offensively to kind of be the guy, right? I mean, he had another guy mm-hmm. in Jalen Wilson who controlled, the, uh, who had ball handling duties as well. He was the main scorer there. So watching Grady Dick do what he did at, over at Kansas, I thought I was really impressed with him and he could shoot, you know, off of screens, but I thought he might've just been as good of a shooter with the, with off the dribble as well. I think that that's really going to help um, the Raptors as well. We need shooting bad. I'm really, I'm really happy with this pick. Um, you know, I'm just hoping that defensively he gets better. I'm hoping that his surroundings, and the quality of defenders that we have on the roster, I mean, is going to help. But I think we just need shooting, and I'm really can't really knock the pick. I think it's we address the need, and I'm hoping that he can prove that he's an NBA caliber player, and he can eventually, you know, insert himself as a as a starter. As far as Marquise Noel, uh, he was arguably the best player in that NCAA tournament. He had a really really strong run. Obviously, size um, is a big you know is a big factor, but we took a chance on Fred, and he panned out. Like the fact is, he's got the intangibles, right? He's a he's a true gamer. Really, really, like I said, really strong tournament. Uh, shooting is going to be a concern, but he's got a really strong feel for the game. He can get his teammates involved. And I think the Raptors are just going to take a shot on a guy who spent five years in college and are hoping that he can 
can eventually translate to being a floor general at the NBA level. Now, whether it's a second unit guy or a starter, we'll have to see. But definitely the size is a concern. But I really love the fact that we took a shot with him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for for recent reference, uh, if anyone knows uh, Facundo Campazzo's game, um, obviously he was like much older and played overseas for a long time. But uh, and he might have been a bit a bit taller than. Um, Noel, but you know he was able to. Which is sort crazy of, to say about anybody. I know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wild. But 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 yeah, he but you know was able to sort of impact the uh, the game as far as like you know almost like a, a knuckleball or like a bit of like a change up mm. scenario. Um, let me just uh, let me just sort of follow up, uh, John, with, with another question and and Matt uh, uh, or, or McCree. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. You saw you saw my brain freezer. Um, answer after this. So. Based on sort of like this is the Raptors' third. This is Masai and Bobby. Uh, it's their third highest pick. Wh- what do you think is like a fair expectation? And maybe you've already answered that with the kind of the second unit shooting stuff. But you, you know, as far as like a if you could, if you could just take a guess, like five years out, right? So we got Barnes, who's obviously very early in his career, fourth overall, and Pirtle, who I believe was ninth overall. Um, and this is, yeah, the 13th overall pick. And because other than that, it's sort of been like four and nine. And then all Masai and Bobby's picks have been 20 and up. Um, yeah, I think they yeah, had 20 so, twice, right? With Bruno and uh, DeLon, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah. So, so John, you first, what do you think sort of like is a fair expectation for this guy i mean like yeah maybe he fell right but even still right he was drafted at 13 a certain amount of teams did pass on him well i think a fair expectation would be that he ends up being a really good shooter at the nba level for a really long time but i think that the raptors are kind of hoping that they could develop him into a more you know well-rounded offensive player and i think he's got the tools to show it's really hard like i say at the college level to kind of show off all your tools because of certain guys coming back and you see the improvement of so many players. Like I keep referring to Devin Booker. I'm not saying he's going to be Devin Booker, but he was so sheltered over in Kentucky. He just wasn't able to kind of develop. He was a pretty much a catch and shoot uh, player over there in Kentucky. And he developed into, you know, a dominant ball handling guard and he's a superstar player. I'm not saying Grady Dick's going to be at that level, but I think at worst, you're just going to get a really quality shooter at the sea because he's shown he can do it in one year in college. I think the hope for the Raptors is that he becomes a pretty, Pretty a starter in this league for them for for a long time and a pretty well-rounded offensive player. Cool. So if you if you're if you're hearing that, fans, um, John Rallis said that this guy's easily going to be as good as Booker. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So Booker aggregated. Aggregated. Yeah. Booker yeah. dropped seventy-two in a game. This guy's going to drop uh, one forty-four. Um, Matt <laughs> <laughs> McCready. I'm just kidding. Uh, McCready. Um, yeah, well, like, like, what's your sort of kind of fair expectation career-wise for this guy? Obviously, it's just a guess, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a guess, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Keandre Ashley from Hoop Intellect had a really nice uh, comparison of him to Cam Johnson, and that seems, like, pretty apt, you know? I think, like, uh, Dick's just a little bit more athletic than a lot of the guys that he gets compared to. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, you know, I didn't see Jason Capono doing a backflip and landing on his uh, <laughs> anything but his neck, I suppose, uh, if he were ever try something like that. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think like, you know, if he makes an all star team, I'll be a little surprised. But like, um, you know, well above average shooter seems or like a starter seems like a pretty decent um, projection of where he's going to go. You know, he's not like a. It's not like you're taking like Koulibaly or something where it's like, if this guy hits, it's a fucking slam dunk. Sorry for mm-hmm. swearing. Um, but, uh, you know, if uh, if he hits really hard, he'll probably be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, OK, uh, we're going to we're going to do our silly segment here um, and we're going to bring uh, Duncan in Matty D, uh, who always kicks this baby off. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as Matty D makes his way here, um, you know, yeah, the guy's name's Grady Dick. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, um, uh, if he goes with number one, uh, it's going to be number one Dick on his jersey. Mm-hmm. In college, there was already like, you suck Dick chance. Yeah. Um, big dick you know, energy. I think big, yeah, big Dick energy in the newspaper. Um, everyone's like getting their jokes out, you know? Mm. Um, 
And I think, uh, you know, most a lot of people have wisely predicted this will get annoying very fast. <laughs> um, and but but that won't stop people. Right. Like people are going to take their swipes. And I'm curious who what personality in, in Raptors land is, is going to take that swipe and it's going to be too aggressive, like whether that's <laughs> offensive or just like annoying or whatever. But like, you know. Not necessarily like they get fired, but like there'll be need, there'll be some need of like acknowledging that they've gone too far. Um, so <laughs> someone's going to do it. Someone's going to overstep the line. And I want to know who we all think is going to do it and how they're going to do it. Matty D, give me the pitch. Yeah. Who, who goes too far with, with Grady Dick's name? Well, I think that uh, after giving this careful thought that it's actually going to come down to the Raptor is going to be wow. doing a lot of gross mime work after sure. he like yeah. drops a three. <laughs> Think okay. something weird's going to happen. He might, in a just a you know a lapse of judgment, start mm-hmm. to hump a fan or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be something like that. He's going to be pulling on himself. People are going to be afraid of dinosaurs again. You know, we've uh, he's done a lot to make people not afraid of dinosaurs. It's the the big movies that came out, and I think this is going to be have people running a little bit whenever uh, Grady Dick makes a three, because uh, <laughs> we just don't know, you know, what exactly he's going to do. But it's going to be offensive. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, this is the, this is the part of Jurassic Park where. <laughs> Um, the, the, you know, whatever the, uh, the electricity has stopped functioning and everyone's now afraid of the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, and yeah, for sure. I could see, you know, uh, him, you know, uh, gesturing, uh, and there being some, some fans in the back and he's like, like on camera or whatever. It looks like he's like humping their head or yeah, something like miming, um, throwing a heavy dick over his shoulder or something like that's, Oh I wow. That's it. okay. If it's that creative, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if people will be mad. Um, that's open to a lot of interpretation. I don't know right? how you make that mimery. So convincing <laughs> that you, Oh, that was a dick for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's some detailed work. Um, Okay, let me let me go to you, John. Who's your what, who's your candidate for for pushing this too far? How do they do it? I think it's it's got to be, you know, the global ambassador Drake. We've already seen a little oh, bit of us yeah. on, sure, sure. on Instagram. He already posted a meme about uh, it was just a picture of Grady Dick holding up his jersey, and it said um, the uh, flexing a good girl's body count, and it was Grady Dick holding up the number one jersey. So I could see him get <laughs> taking a little too far with some more memes. Um, Mm-hmm. And Drake's just getting started. Oh, a pretty bold thing for Drake to do, considering the allegations against Drake. You know, well, <laughs> even say. adding it, even adding it apart to his clothing line, which you could write X hearts dick, and um, you know, just sure. making it making a business model for him. I could see him being a little bit careless on social media and kind of running with the uh, with the Grady Dick uh, memes some more. <laughs> yeah, definitely views from the dick, something like that. Like he's gonna. <laughs> He he could do yeah like it's like Lou Williams um got an out al- got like got got a song and I think yeah Grady Dick could Grady get a Dick, oh it's coming it's coming it's a Grady yeah. Dick uh, lyric is coming um yeah driving down Western Road there's Grady Dick something like that um <laughs> okay um <laughs> McCready what's yeah. your wh- who's taking this too far how are they doing it what's going on what's the scenario yeah. I've uh, taught improv classes for years, you know, and so there's all it's not always, but very often the people who are most worrisome for beginner improv in terms of like who you have to watch out for, for making the class feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, old white men. Sure. Uh, and so the easy one to go through is the guy who gets drunk out on uh, the broadcast at times and say, maybe Jack Armstrong. Yeah. That seems yeah. very likely. <laughs> but Jack has a concept of uh, humor that uh, he understands jokes a bit, you know? Fair, so fair. So he, he might not, the, the biggest culprit are those, that demographic who don't understand jokes. So, Leo Rowden's 
is my number one choice. Nice. I don't understand the joke at all. I could see them going to break him hitting a three and him going like, I have a big dick like Grady. Someone's going to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a hard cut into like that Bears uh, shitting commercial, you know? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's my um, sorry. pick, Leo. Uh, yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were headed towards Rod Black. Um, <laughs> but but no. Rod's lived a life of dick-related uh, uh, name jokes, anyway. So maybe he's uh, he's over it. Fair enough. Yeah, Rod's gonna have like a deep, sensitive thing. He's gonna be like, "We gotta stop joking about this." <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's great. Um, so uh, mine is. Um, uh, I, I gotta say, McCready, I was in your territory. I was like, right. is this a Devlin thing? Maybe it's Alvin Williams thing. Like, is <laughs> Alvin's someone... not a bad choice. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just like, because like, it, all it needs to be is something that is like someone going for a double entendre, you know, whatever, trying to be clever, and then just like, it's a bad moment in the game, whatever, like there's the timing's off, and it just lands, and it stays there, and it hangs. Um... Mine, though, is I'm actually going to go for a player. I'm going to pick a random player. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Precious. Um, oh. For me, it's going to go down like this. It's going to be like, you know, one of Grady's, um, one of Grady's sort of like, like first games where it's like, oh, man, he hits like five threes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, he's just, he's like, like it's, it's a huge part of the win. Uh, also, for instance, uh, maybe a player like Precious has a big game and he gets the post-game interview. So he gets there, he's sort of all worked up and someone says like, you know, like, like, yeah, like Grady really, or, or Dick really like sort of like pulled through or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be something simple where he's just going to think about him being hot and he's going to say, yeah, Dick was wet. Uh, and I think it's going to be a little thing like that. And then I think he's going to crumble on camera. Uh, like he'll sort of realize he said it won't be able to recover. And it will be like kind of funny, but kind of like shit, this is really bad. Um, and I think it's a simple mistake. I think it could happen pretty easy and I don't want to pick on precious, but I feel like it's a player. It's a, if it's not precious, it's someone else. Someone's going to be, it could no. I was gonna say it could be Grady himself, but he's he's in the Rod Black territory. You know, you know <laughs> he's not gonna do it. Um, yeah, so that's my pick. Yeah, it seems possible it could be Grady. He's at the age where he might say something insane. Yeah, right. He might just like. I mean, I mean, I mean. Let me let me just throw this X factor in. Could be the crowd. Could be the crowd. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, I mean, the you suck dick chan has a real homophobic flair to it for sure. You know, sure does. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, yeah, things are going to go south fast. <laughs> um, I really think I don't have a lot of confidence in this name being handled uh, the way it should be. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm already sick of the jokes months ago, just scouting this guy and seeing it yeah. all over the place, you know? So I can't wait to see what, two years of this is going to bring out of us. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not above anything. I was, uh, I went to the Raptors Republic um, draft party, by the way, nice to see so many people there. Um, and thanks for the support. And I did in fact uh, start a, um, we got Dick chant um, yeah. and it was so fun. So I get it. Um, yeah. Not, I mean, you know, when I, jubilation will bring out the worst in all of us. <laughs> it sure will. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we handled it. Uh, more updates on this, um, this growing, uh, oh my God. This, this growing problem later. Stay tuned after the break for more Confederacy of Dunks. But, uh, Maddie, good sir. Uh, please give me your, your, your best, your weirdest, uh, your most glitchy weird owl NBA. Sting. This is Adam Silver Hunt. There we go. Hey, Bobby Webster. There we go. Yeah, yeah. 
what is this is this like ai what what, what happened it's a, it's a website that i think is a, a, about the age of like <laughs> nba jam or sporkle or something <laughs> that, that that well matt I'll, uh, maddie d i'll let you like uh what ancient website is this from well look okay everyone's freaking out about ai and when they hear our stings then it calms people down a little bit they're like oh we, we've got nothing to worry about listen to this this is the best we got with a uh with weird al right now uh, oh, that's yeah. okay. That's a good point. Yeah, like yeah. soften everyone. Everybody, for the- just relax. We're fine. Listen to Weird Al. Cool. So you're everyone working- go listen to Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, everyone listen to Weird Al. Chill out. Don't worry about AI. Um, good. Yeah. yeah turn off the podcast. Tune into Alapalooza. Yeah. And come back. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Maddie D. I, I shouldn't have assumed that you didn't have like a big picture idea with these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay uh let's go to you mccready sure. um yeah go in any direction you want here um so I, I want you to give me two teams um one that uh one that um lost the draft for whatever reason and and another one that won the draft for whatever reason sure i think uh you know, for an organization that has like been one of the worst run in the last while, I actually think that Dallas did a really good job. Uh, Derek Lively, I really liked. I really like the way he moves his feet. I love that he can block shots like a madman. There's some shooting potential there. I'm a big fan of De- Derek Lively. And so getting him at 12 is great, but also taking that 10th pick and uh, dumping Bertans and moving back two slots and getting the guy you wanted anyways, like that's great. That's good stuff. And yeah. uh, the Canadian they got at 25. Uh, looks fucking great. Uh, looks like a real sweet man, and uh, you know, it's got a lot of the intangible stuff. Seems like a pretty good prospect. Has a lot, you know, like he's older, but like he's kind of like, you know, where you would want a guy who's like twenty to develop in like two years. You know, so it's like, why not just get the sure bet, get a guy on a cheap contract for a team that's going to get pretty expensive? And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought Dallas did pretty good. And sorry, who's the Canadian? Is it Olivier Maxence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's Quebecois. Uh, believe it or not, with the name. Um, the, the the Quebec basketball rise needs a doc. Sorry. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, and uh, the losers, I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of like pick a loser. Oh, you know who else I also really liked? I really liked uh, Minnesota getting uh, Leonard Miller at like 33 or something or wherever he went. Uh, yeah, he seemed that. to go quite late. Really late. Like that guy's like huge. He's a huge guy. He averaged 18 and 10 in the um, G League as like an 18 year or 19 year old. It's like, this is a guy that you should just like, it's worth a shot. There's so many. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you saw him live, right? I did see him live. He played better than Scoot in the game I saw. But I've heard that not just from you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, also Scoot was pretty retired at that point. I think he yeah. was like uh, happy to uh, leave the G League. Uh, yeah. It had very like Denver when they visited Toronto vibes. Like we're waiting right. for something else to start. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, and who did? I don't know. I guess Orlando like was kind of bizarre. Um, Anthony Black seems really a backcourt of Black, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Markel Fultz is uh, ooh, yeah, and that that puts a lot of pressure on your bigs to shoot, and their bigs are that great as shooters. So it's like. I don't know. It's interesting. And then Jet Howard seems like I didn't do a ton of work on Jet Howard, uh, mm-hmm. but it, some people say it was a bit of a stretch, but who knows? Maybe he'll end up being great. But if I had to pick a team, I'll just go with Orlando. Um, yeah. I, so so we actually have the same same losing team in, in Orlando. Um, again, I, I don't know the I, I didn't know Jet Howard uh, either or, you know, I'm, I'm not very I don't study the draft too much, but. Just from a positional standpoint, um, I guess Orlando's in a, you know, to their defense, they're in a spot where um, they're so far away from being good, I guess, that they just want to get the best player available in their mind. And maybe that's what they did here. But I do think that the guard situation is pretty crowded over there. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like it, it even seems like, um, oh God, what, why am I blanking out the rookie of the year last year? Um, Bankero? Uh, yeah, yeah. It seems like he likes to handle the ball a lot as well. So, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just not really sure what what exactly their plan was. I guess their plan was to have a higher draft pick. That's what, yeah. That's there, right? 
I mean, Black's a hyper competitive guy. I mean, like their plan was if their plan was to have a higher draft pick, they did a bad job of preparing for it because they didn't go into like a hard tank like Portland did um, or Charlotte or uh, San Antonio mm-hmm. um, so, or Houston. You know, like all the teams in front of them basically like pivoted into a hard tank and that's not going to pay off every time. But it did pay off this time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Black's a psychotic competitor and like it should be a great defender and has great mobility and so if he can shoot which is always a big thing with prospects if he can shoot uh then he's gonna hit hard uh just depends if you believe that he can end up becoming like you know an average nba shooter yeah i'm just looking here he is six seven so it's not it's not like they like drafted a, a guy who can only play point guard potentially you know that's true you could slot him in on the wing for sure um John, where, where where are you at with the uh, sort of the winners and or the winning team and the losing team of the draft? Yeah, I think Matt nailed it with the he actually uh, that was my winner was the Dallas Mavericks. I um I mean I'm a huge Duke fan, but and I enjoyed watching Lively and you know he it took him some time to really get going and he was able to kind of figure out his role and I think Matt touched on it uh, really great actually because he really seems like he's going to be a great fit in Dallas. I think he's going to be a really great NBA player. Um, you know, on a team that was. In their first year under Jason Kidd had a great, you know, we're really good defensively. They were top five. And then year two, that plummeted, obviously. And that's been the, you know, the case with some Jason Kidd coach teams. And I think he's going to really help. He's going to be a dominant a player in the pick and roll, I think. I, I think he can move, the, um, you know, set good screens. Uh, he's got great athleticism. And I think that his shooting touch is really going to translate well at the NBA level. We haven't seen it enough, but I do think that he's got a pretty good stroke. I think that he's got a good feel for the game. And I really love that he's going to get a chance to play alongside, um, you know, some really quality ball handlers, assuming that Kyrie Irving does uh, resign. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's right because that's who the guy, that's the guy Dallas wanted and they only had to move back two slots in order to get him. And they were able to dump off Bertanz's contract. I mean, that's just a really, that's an excellent job. And not only that, they use that trade exception to get Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick. Right. And they're able to draft the Canadian guy who, Matt already mentioned and who had a really strong year and he's really, really improved. So, I mean, aside from him, I'd have to probably give a winner aside from Dallas. I'd probably have to give Houston as a winner as well. I think that they did a nice job um, getting one of the twins and even at 20 getting Cam Whitmore, who many pegged him as like a top five to top seven pick. I know there was some medicals that were a bit of concern, but you just were able to get two top five picks to add to an already pretty young roster that you're hoping can be an up and coming roster. I think they did an excellent job uh, in the draft as well. So Dallas would be number one, but because Matt already touched on it, I probably have to give Houston because I really like the prospects that they they were able to draft. And as far as my losers concerned, I'd probably give it to Charlotte, just because you know they mm-hmm. uh, they really you know what like I think I think you won't get scrutinized if you strike out on a guy like Sco- Scoot Henderson, but if Scoot Henderson ends up being like a superstar caliber player like that, he's more than capable of being. I think that's going to be an already, like another blemish, to a long list of them for the Charlotte Hornets franchise, right? I mean, they just haven't had success in the draft. I understand the notion of like positional, you know, needs and whatnot, but uh, this is the new NBA, right? There's multiple ball handlers. I'm not really concerned about Lamelo and Scoot coexisting. I think if you really drafted a guy like uh, you know Brandon Miller, who he could be a great NBA player. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, and yeah, his mental makeup in terms of just being able to deal with scrutiny like on the court. Um, obviously, there's a lot of red flags surrounding him. Uh, despite all that, he was still able to drop 41 points in a, in a college game despite the crowd going against him. And, um, you know, I don't want to touch too deep on it, but it's something that definitely needs to be mentioned because it was it is a big, big red flag on his career. And it's going to it's a stain that's going to stay with him forever, whether he was proven innocent or not. Uh, but I think Scoot Henderson, if he can be a transcendent superstar, I think that if you if you're Charlotte and you passed up on, you know, a star and then Brandon Miller just ends up being an average NBA player. I mean, that's a, it's going to be, you're going to be here about that for uh, many, many years. Yeah. I heard the, uh, the, uh, I heard the ringer uh, talk about, uh, no, it wasn't the ringer. It was David Thorpe, that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was talking about like, uh, you know, uh, look at where the NBA is. You always take a wing who can shoot over an undersized guard. Which is like such a blanket statement. It's insane. Like, you know, high end for both these guys. Would you take uh, Dwayne Wade over Chris Middleton? You know, obviously. Yes, you would. Right. Hey, I, I found uh, some levels of the conversation kind of uh, ignorant when it came to uh, Scoot. Because, Scoot, I don't know, Scoot just has everything. So, like, I agree with uh, yep. John. Um, 
Yeah, and 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 I'll just add that uh, um, if you haven't seen it yet, um, you got to watch the Mitch uh, Kupchak um, <laughs> presser. Like, if you just draft someone and you're immediately like you seem immediately embarrassed, mm-hmm. that's just like a bad sign. Um, he, I love he, Jordan. I love him as an executive. Oh my god, it's so. It's insane. And what Nick Nurse brings to music, Michael Jordan brings to NBA decision making. Yes. Well said. Well said. Jazz. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. Like, so check that out. Mitch Kupchak is kind of all over the place and, you know, can't finish a sentence. And it's 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 absolutely absurd to see. Um, and I'm, I'm with you, John. I do think that, um, you know, Scoot seems special enough that I think. I don't know. I feel like him and him and Lamelo would would figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so in that sense, um, uh, uh, oh, sorry, uh, I, I was just transitioning there. I I wanted to just add my winner uh, of the draft. Um, I sort of want to stick uh, with with the Texas thing, and I think that when you know uh, McCready alluded to it, but like you know when you're sort of like there's different types of rebuilding and then there's like ultra tanking and really like kind of like gutting whatever your franchise, everything um, to get a, a massive pick. And I read a really good uh, sort of comprehensive basketball reference uh, uh, essay, uh, let's say uh, let's call it uh, on sort of like the value of second round picks, first round picks um, and the value of a first overall pick compared to all of the other picks it's just it's just enormously bigger like the first overall pick is is just way 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 bigger than the second overall pick as far as implications and san antonio gutted their franchise they went for it and they got it and that i know it's obvious to say when getting Wembenyama, you win the draft but it's like in that sense it still needs to be said they they could have done they could have they could have de- did what charlotte did and got brandon miller but they they ended up getting the guy that everybody wanted um or you know even being forced into like you know you're, you're drafting second third fourth things can get really sort of like cutesy and whatever and usually with the first overall it's there's not a lot of surprises um i'm sure there are you know situations where you know the barnianis and the anthony bennett's and that sort of thing but um yeah, I mean, the number one pick, it's like that's the pick you get when like, a, every 10-year guy wanders into the league, right? Like that's the Shaq pick, you know, in totally. a, a, a draft where you had Morning and Weber. Uh, was that that? No, just no, just Morning. Uh, you know, like there's just like, you know, there's different ways that, uh, you know, it's why that pick is so valuable. And like the Spurs got it. And they got all those picks coming from Atlanta. They have all that stuff coming from Boston, even for uh, Derek White. Yeah, it's looking pretty good in uh, San Antonio as usual. Yeah, man, what a franchise. And, you know, obviously seeing that picture of uh, him, Manu, uh, David Robinson, and Tim Duncan, right? Says enough. Um, oh, yeah, but, David uh, Robinson looks five foot nine in that photo. He looks small. He looks small, It's which which is absurd. I mean, I think um, I'm going to Summer League this year. Um, so I, I'm really, really uh, hoping I do get to see Wembenyama. Uh, who uh, at one point he was not going to play, but he said he is going to play. So that would be really exciting. Uh, I'm going to get to see the uh, Grady Dick um, and Ryakovich, and uh, I'm really excited for that. Um, is but, he taking uh, over the uh, summer league team? Or, uh, our new oh, you know what? That's fair. Maybe, maybe he's not. I just assumed because it was his first year coaching that he would be there. But um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he'll be there. I just don't know if he's going to be coaching. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they usually give that sort of opportunity to other coaches. So may, yeah, maybe maybe I maybe I'll see him in the hallway. Yeah. Um, um but uh, yeah, that, that got that that was really like climactic, eh? Maybe I'll see him in the hallway. <laughs> Walks off into the distance. Um, oh, you gotta listen to this podcast I was listening to. Somebody might see the coach in a hallway a few months from now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, by the way, if you did just listen to that joke, please actually do say that to someone uh, and and try and try and big up this podcast with that. That's your challenge. If you if you're listening right now, uh, to tell someone about this podcast, spread the word, but use that bit of information only. Every um, episode, we give the listeners a challenge, and this is your challenge this week: is uh, yeah. <laughs> use that piece of information and sell someone on the product. Yeah. 
Um, and also watch that Mitch, uh, Mitch Kupchak, uh, presser. <laughs> um, okay. Last question. Um, uh, John, I'm going to go to you here. Uh, and, and just, yeah, take this in whatever direction you like. Um, I think, uh, I think, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll weigh in afterwards, but, um, the, you know, the draft is over. Uh, it's sort of like a season in the NBA, and and what are your sort of big takeaways that are like draft either draft influenced heading into the summer or just about the draft? Like, you know, what what's your feeling uh, now that this draft has has come and gone? Well, I think there's decision making now for uh, like a few a few teams, and I think you know, speaking of Scoot Henderson, he was drafted with the third overall pick in Portland, and it's like what what happens with Damon Portland mm-hmm. now, right? Like, I I love. Yeah. The fact that they got a pick, but I mean, there's still a lot of he can help them win now because he would probably be a, a number one pick in any other draft if he wasn't in the same draft as when Benyama was a generational talent. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway going to the summer that's draft related is what happens with Dame, right? I mean, he yeah. he wants a competitive roster, but is that going to kind of t- to contend? And I get that, but is that going to handcuff what Portland wants to do in their future? Right? Like maybe they want to go in a different. He, his decision making i mean he's been so loyal to the franchise but his decision making and wanting a competitive roster could end up screwing the, the the team long term so i think that's a really big thing to kind of see what direction they're going to go to because i think it's going to impact a lot of decision and it's going to impact even the role that that scoot has going forward yeah yeah i mean for sure that's i think the biggest that's the next big sort of summer thing right is Dame and you know uh, I've said this like online before, but I really think a big part, you know, even from a Raptors perspective, but not just Raptors, like the rest of the league. I think you, I think a lot of the rumors we were reading were from Portland. Mm-hmm. I think that Portland really wanted to sort of either get a deal done before the draft, um, like you know moving Scoot, or they wanted to move Dame. Um, before the draft. And I think a lot of those rumors were sort of like, it's either them sort of sussing out the market. I think Dame has now mentioned Miami a couple times publicly. Um, and, you know, he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to sort of like sit out and cause trouble, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about their their leverage and sort of if they feel like they have less now or more, uh, r- regardless, you know, even if they, I think they decide to, you know, keep Dame and Scoot together, like, hey, what if that, what if that works out really well? What if Dame, you know, he's, he's 33 years, uh, he's, thir- thir- he's turning 33 this year. What if sort of he gets to like rest a bit more and Scoot can kind of carry the load for him or I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's I think Portland is probably the biggest team to watch. Uh, not the only team to watch, obviously. But uh, he's the biggest name out there easily as far as like who may go um, or whatever. Because it does seem like at this point that like if drafted Scoot, I don't think. You know, you're speaking about like Dame though. And it's uh, it's interesting because like, like I said, he's given everything to that franchise. And it's kind of funny because at what point though do you start to, you know, question what he's doing in terms of um, like, like he was kind of saying, I want to wait to see what Portland does uh, in their free agent acquisitions or what they do in the early parts of free agency kind of before I make my decision. At what point does that become a little bit selfish in the sense that what happens if Portland makes a few moves that they feel like could improve the roster, but Dame still doesn't feel like it's good enough and then they end up trading. He wants to leave in a trade and it's like you're stuck with some of these contracts or decisions that you made thinking that this might help Dame, but it's not. Isn't it almost better to just kind of give them a direction, a concrete answer as to yes or no right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not not in the rooms, but uh, you know, I think it's it's fascinating because, like, I think you know how much is it, I, I and you know how much is it sort of media driven, right? Like, mm. I think we you know there's all, we love to talk about which big player is going to be removed from blank small market. That's like one of the like sort of you know NBA things that is just on repeat, right? Whether it's Beal or Anthony Davis or um, you know, Paul George in Indiana, et cetera, et cetera. Like it just sort of, that's like a, that's a recycling thing, right? Like we, we, we love that. And Dame has been pretty consistent about wanting to stay in Portland, but I mean, everyone has a breaking point. Um, and you know, it's, it's an interesting point too, right? Like lack of clarity, like is that, is that hurting or helping? Um, 
McCready, why don't you just weigh in on the Dame stuff and then and then answer the question of a sort of like what was your big draft takeaway? Great. I'm here to weigh, baby. Here we go. Weigh time. Uh, weighing in. Yeah, yeah, I'm weighing in, and uh, it comes up heavy. Uh, I feel <laughs> like uh, the Trailblazers should probably deal Dame. I don't think this is like the hottest take in the world. You have Sharp. You have uh, Scoot. You already have like two fucking really nice pieces to start yeah. a rebuild. You know, uh, you could get a boatload for Dame, and Dame's at the age where if he has like an injury, like that contracts an albatross, like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sure, Dame, they could compete with Dame this year, but, like, Dame had a really good season last year, and, like, there's no true reason to think that he's not going to this year other than the fact that he's had a lot of injuries and he's getting to the age now where people tend to regress. Uh, He's also pretty small for a player. Uh, So if you were able to get, like, you know, a Donovan Mitchell-style package uh, for Dame, I think, like, you kind of just have to go for it. I mean, otherwise, it's like, I don't know, man. Try to deal Simons and uh, Nurkic and uh, what's his name? Nasir Little to Toronto. Uh, Throw Scoot in there and try to get OG and Pascal, you know? Um, Toronto gets, uh, you know, Simons to put with Grady Dick. And you got Scoot and uh, you got uh, uh, Scotty. And that seems like a pretty good young core with some shooting and some playmaking. And then... Uh, Portland would have, uh, you know, a lineup of a lot if they bring back uh, uh, Jeremy Grant, a giant lineup to put around Dame, and you could find a center somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, all around the league, it just seems like the CBA hasn't come out yet, really. It feels mm. like people don't quite know what's going on. So it almost seemed like there was a state of inertia uh, in the draft to a certain extent. There were so few trades compared to usual. Um, that you would see in a draft that like, I feel like people don't quite know what to do and don't want to make a giant decision that ends up looking terrible in a week. Right. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good point. And, you know, uh, I was just listening to, to Beck and Lowe, uh, and they, uh, cause I was thinking, I was like, uh, like, I, I guess it was like on the tip of my, uh, brain, but, um, it is weird that you have all these new CBA things that are kind of coming into effect. And also there's a pretty giant, uh, the cap has risen by quite a bit mm-hmm. in a single year. So it makes you wonder what, what teams are sort of willing to do sh- in terms of the short term versus long term. Um, yeah. Yeah. It should. And, 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 you know, I do think that like there was a lack of like big trades, but it does seem like the wizards use the draft pretty, or not the necessarily, but like the, the timing of the draft to be pretty aggressive with a lot of their moves, but I guess it wasn't on draft day. Well, they did the Bilal trade on draft day. Right. But yeah, I guess like the, the Beal and Porzingis right, trade right. sort of came week uh, the week of. But um, hey, they were proactive. They had a vision of what they wanted to do and they went out and did it. And I think they did all right, considering Beal had a no trade contract like clause in his contract. Like, what the hell can you even do in that situation? Yeah, I think I was like pretty uh, judgmental of what they got for Beal. But I think. It is a very, very key and important reminder that they had had a no trades trade clause um, because that, that just really sort of is just wildly prohibitive, um, and it's different than a player like say Pascal being like I won't resign with Atlanta or what have you. Like that's a different type of prohibitive because I think you know, it's sort of like someone can drop a, a gavel on a scenario. Like they're not going to say like, Oh, I will, you know, I won't do this. The, you know, when Atlanta could be like, Oh, well, if we get him, you know, he'll probably resign. How Whereas, close do you think the Raptors were to a trade with Pascal releasing that statement of, I won't resign anywhere. Like what, what do you, what's your take on that? Uh, I think they were, haven't been close at all to trading um, Pascal. Uh, I think that, one thing I heard from Jake Fisher was that a lot of the uh, NBA has been frustrated because they feel like the Raptors are just using the, their conversations to kind of like mine um, value on their players. So I think Pascal's probably been talked about in that way. Whereas I think that, you know, talk, going forward with all this cap stuff, I do sort of think that they would be a lot more serious about trading OG um, and are probably trying to sort of like find that weak point, find that team that is more desperate than Portland or what I, like, I think they would have done um, scoot for OG for sure. But oh, I, uh, I hope so. 
Yeah, me too. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as opposed to sort of a Gary Trent or whatever, I think OG will, I think the market won't, you know, like there's no, you know, the idea of OG opting in is absurd. And I think for, for Gary, it wasn't really. Um, but yeah, I think OG, you know, and his management probably think they can get upwards of $30 million. So, um, yeah, uh, John. What, what what about you? What like how close do you think the Raptors were to making a deal? Uh, I think it's interesting because like you, you always hear that they don't want to leak, but it was probably coming from the other parties. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They. I don't think they were ever close because I think their asking price was just too high. Personally, like I just mm-hmm. don't think they were maybe in talking stages, but I don't think that Masai had any serious, um, you know, aspirations of dealing anybody. I think that he's really maybe sold that this roster can you know, or the foundation of it can maybe have some success and maybe just want to see how a new coach can kind of handle this group first. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there was anything, to be honest, I don't think there was anything too, too, uh, too serious in the works just because of um, the asking price. Yeah. And I think, you know, their history too, right? Like, I feel like um, that's sort of, you know, they've been either like reluctant to, to, to be proactive or, you know, yeah. Asking price is too big sort of thing, overvaluing their players. Um, which, you know, I think there's examples that are good and bad. Um, I just want to add, though, uh, that my takeaway from this draft, um, and this is something I'm, I'm so obsessed with. I, I, I just love it. Uh, I love the idea of uh, players getting drafted high that are not from the NCAA. Um, so uh, out of the, the top five picks, one player played for the NCAA. Yeah. Um and we'll, I think you know we will see. Uh, this is this is a big audition for the overtime elite. If the Thompson brothers are bad, I think that it probably set that league back pretty far. Um, and I think G League, you know, um, is sort of you know good like with Kaminga and Green. We'll see as well. Um, but I also think for for Metropolitan ninety two because there has been some talk about part of the reason Victor went. You know, he played in the in the Euroleague, and then he went down to this team. Is part of it's like they're they're sort of positioning themselves as like a potential sort of like NBA factory, uh, and and I think with with, with Koulibaly, that could be really. It made up both the. I mean, Victor's going to pan out, but if 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 Koulibaly does as well, how many players in Europe are going to be like, okay, here's what you do: you go play for this French team for a year, then you go to the NBA. Um, whereas you know you had the like. Traditionally, you have a guy like Doncic who played in the EuroLeague, um, and 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 gets drafted. But anyways, yeah. So I, I I love these other routes into the NBA. I find it so fascinating. But uh, yeah, I guess hey, the, we had the Australian league a few years ago with Giddy, you know, and uh, Lamelo. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they've been Australia. I feel like has been like I I always hear that the Australian league's one of the better leagues in the world. But yeah, I guess I didn't get any guys in this year. Uh, there was that Ryan Rupert guy who went in the second round, who was like the last guy who was on the the floor, who got the introduction. He was the last pick. Um, so, oh, he picked, cool. He was picked like forty fourth or something, but he was the last guy who had like the big intro of the suit and was like there uh, on the floor. So, oh that, yeah, and the NZ Breakers. Yeah, cool. Um, and also, yeah, even in the second round, a lot of a lot of G leaguers uh, uh, or like G League Ignite guys um but uh yeah that that does it for the pod uh we'll wrap up before an hour here uh bring maddie d in but let me go to you uh john um what's something you want to plug what do you want to tell people just uh you know always just uh, happy to be here back on the uh on the pod obviously and yeah if you're ever in the area in bathurst and bluer always come down and uh check out george's deli and barbecue it's always uh Great homemade burgers, good chicken. My family's been uh, running that mom and pop shop for 27 years now, or going on 28. So uh, they work hard, and um, yeah, I love when it's it just come by and chat. I'm not as there as I used to be, but that's how Freddie and I obviously met. Just uh, news working at the Blue yeah. Cinema. We always come in order, and we talk hoops, and here we are. So yeah, just uh, come down for some great food, and uh, yeah, mention my name, mention this podcast, and they'll my parents will be happy to know that I brought some customers off a basketball podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best place, best place ever. Um, uh, McCready, what's up? What do you got going on? 
Oh, thank you for asking. So excited to share this big news with you. I should have shared it off the top, but I decided to relate until the very end of the podcast. Oh, wow. uh, something going on at Bathurst and Blorish area as well. Oh. Um, I will be the head bartender at the Fringe Tent uh, this summer. Oh, nice. I know people were really bummed when Honest Ed's moved, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that whole area was taken out uh, and was moved uh, to a skating rink inside of a park. Uh, but we have a brand new location. We're actually in the sewer system underneath Bathurst and Bloor. Uh, we have an amazing apricot beer that you can try. Uh, you have to answer a couple riddles in order to get okay. into the uh, fringe tent. Uh, but if you uh, hit up my Twitter, um, there's clues. Uh, you have to go back a few years, but there's clues if you want to figure out how to get there. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, $66 for admission, uh, but you get a drink ticket for whatever you want, except for um, alcoholic beverages. Amazing. That sounds like a deal. Get yourself in the sewer, have an apricot beer and get your riddle brain going. Um, uh, McCready, thank you so much. Maddie D, uh, you know, uh, what do you want to let the people know, you know, before we head out? Right. Yeah. Go over to raptorsrepublic.com. That's where you can see all of our episodes. You can also see all the great articles and stuff that are written there. And if you like what you saw on the YouTube, the clips that we put up there, we've got a whole full episode that you can listen to on your favorite podcatcher. Go to whatever one it is. Now, I just just got word today that Stitcher is shutting down. So you're going to, if you're a Stitcher person... You're going to have to find a new podcatcher. I'm sorry about that, but it just happens sometimes, folks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of business news here at the end. <laughs> Play, Player FM would never, let me just say. <laughs> yeah, Player FM still going strong. Uh, yeah, there is a paywall that you can support independent journalism with. It's six bucks a month over there. These guys write these fantastic articles. And, you know, like I said last week, change the clock tower. <laughs> Right, bad reference. Yeah, you you want me to get a soundbite for it. Uh, Yeah, you know, support it so that this thing can keep going and and we can keep going as well. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Amazing. Thanks, everybody. Maddie, if you feel like we're done and we're good to go, please just give me those words I love so much. Okay. Okay. Listen to full episodes of the Confederacy of Dunks only on the Rapcast. 